Word. <clears throat> Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken a leave on them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to the walking on the sea. He went past, he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And, the utter, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their heart was hardened, were hardened. Thank you. You may be seated. May God add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his holy word. I'm Pastor Joseph, one of the pastors here on staff. And right now we want to let our Treehouse kids uh, leave. So if you're a part of Treehouse, if you would not mind coming over here. Thank you. Um, Pastor Chris is out for the week, uh, actually preaching. He's on mission at a family camp, but he's they're speaking for the week. And so he's literally has one to two sermons every day this week. But, and so that's why he wasn't here today. So I'm grateful to stand in for him. Uh, as we mourn a loss of someone that's close, I told first service the story, I tell you all, Jen and I have been coming to this church for the same amount of time. Her first year here was my first year. Uh, she, I invited her to come to children's ministry because they, when I first came on staff, I was one of the, I was children's ministry, ministry pastor. And she came and she went and one of the things I did, because I didn't know anyone here, it's about 30 or 40 of us in this circle, I said, hey, everyone, introduce yourself and tell us some fun fact about you. Jen says, hi, with a smile on her face. She said, hi, my name is Jen, and I don't have a stomach. You can laugh. It's okay. Everyone was looking. That's how she introduced herself to us. Like, hi, my name is Jen. I don't have a stomach. I was like, wait, what? You don't have a stomach? And she began to tell us, and that was part of what she's dealt with for, the, for all her life. And with a smile on her face and... She, she was in, in and out of the hospital there have been many a times where she's had to have surgery and while she's in the hospital, she's wanting to serve people and love people. She helped out write encouragement letters to many people. A lot of people she wrote letters to and encouraged other teams, got team people to do the same. One of the things I loved about her is that even knowing that she was in a place where any day she could die, she wanted to love and serve others. Every probably other week she's texting me or sending me a message, hey Joseph, you got somebody that needs a letter of encouragement? She wanted to serve. She wanted to serve. So much so she was texting me. I'm like, ooh, I'm about to block her number. She loved it. She reached out to everybody. And she, she just loved to serve and loved to love on people. And so as we get ready to jump into this text, we're in Mark chapter 6. Do I need to get the other mic? Um, we're in Mark chapter 6. Uh, we're continuing. We're in a sermon series called The Gospel of Mark. We're just walking through... Mark, walking through what Mark's, how Mark represents how he experienced Jesus, right? And so uh, if you have any questions on this, if you're new to this, this is your first time here, we do questions on Pastor Flex Podcast. Chris loves all the questions you can bring. I'm there with him sometimes. I love some of the questions. So 
But we, we have fun on the podcast. We'll do our best to answer the questions. So if you have questions, feel free to text this number. You'll see it on all the slides throughout the whole thing. So just feel free to text. I'm assuming if you're on your phone, you're either reading your Bible, taking notes, or texting there. All right. Um, so real quick, I need you to say something. The word of the day is recognize. So everyone say recognize. Good. Y'all are already doing better than my first service. All right, now, now next, this, this is the, the test, test right here. This, this is the trial. trial. Repeat after me. You, you better, better recognize. recognize. Say it. You better recognize. Yeah. Last, Last time, time I said better, they were like better. better. I didn't say better. <laughs> right, better. Right, right this, this is, is a, a more, more urban, urban kind of idiom that was used early 90s, mid-90s. You better recognize. If you've ever heard that, there's been songs about it, TV shows, but it's this idea of there is something that you don't see but, but I, need I need you to, to see, see it. When, when I, I heard, heard this phrase, you better recognize, it was almost as if it's usually the recipient of this. It's probably like talking noise. And they're feeling like chest real big and stuff. And they're like coming at someone the wrong way. I would say sideways, but I'm going to say the wrong way. It's the same thing. I'm trying to help you out this morning. All right, so they're coming at someone the wrong way. And they say, hold on, you better recognize, right? And you can finish that with who you talking to. Right? The, the goal, goal is to say, you don't know what you're up against. You don't see the big picture. All you're seeing is this little thing, but you better recognize. Right? And you can say it to your kids. Hold on, who are you talking to like that? If I hear my son disrespecting my wife, uh, you better recognize what's going on. I don't know who you think you is. Yes, I'm, I'm just, I'm messing up every, all the words today. I'm not going to talk correct. I'm just letting you know. But this idea of there is a bigger picture that you need to see, and you're not seeing it right now. And, and so, so what I found when I was reading this text, and we're in Mark chapter 6, but when I found that what can happen is we can fail to recognize Jesus, right? Recognize his authority, recognize his presence in our life, recognize what he's doing in our life. We can fail to recognize. And so the, questions you, the question we usually ask at the end, I'm asking you at the beginning because I want you to think about it the whole sermon for these next 30 minutes or so. I want you to think about do I recognize Jesus? Because in order to recognize, that means I've had to experience it before, experience him. I recognize that song. I've heard it before. I recognize this person. I've seen them somewhere before. I know something about it. I've looked upon it. And what can happen is we fail to recognize Jesus when the problem is too big. There's a problem in front of us and it's too big and it's like, Jesus, I know you say you want to help me, but your help can't help me right now. This is too big for you. The problem is too big, so why even talk to Jesus about it? Why even go to him? This is a big problem. For some of us, it can be in our marriage, relationships, jobs, financial problems, kids, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. This problem is too big for you, God. And so I don't recognize you in this situation. And what that can lead to is the second thing. Well, we face the problem alone. That could, that could be a, a pride thing, a fear of rejection. Like, if I ask for help and this problem doesn't get solved, then what am I doing? I just embarrass myself. I just put myself out there, and now I'm still stuck. We've, we've painted this picture already in our minds. Like, we see it. He's going to say no. It's not going to get solved. So not only is the problem too big, I have to face this alone because... I fear maybe asking someone for help, asking God for help, because I don't want people to see that I need help. I'm vulnerable. I'm not strong. I can't be out front. Well, that's that third one that leads us to, well, I'm the solution to the problem. I can do this. 
I can handle this on my own. I'm a man's man. I don't need nobody's help. This is me talking. I'm just talking about me. Like, I see the problem, and I cannot recognize Jesus, not just because it's too big, not because I'm by myself, because I want to do it on my own. I think I can handle this on my own. Jesus, you take a back seat on this one. Because I got it. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to let you handle it. And so that's where we're going on this morning. Uh, before we even hop in, the quick outline to this is this. There's three stories in this where there's this recognition of Jesus in three different places. One with the disciples and the people and Jesus feeding 5,000. If you think about the top stories that people know in the Bible about Jesus' miracles, two of them, three of them are here. There's right here, three stories. He feeds 5,000. He walks on water. He heals the sick. This is what we're talking about. This is where we're going. And, and how what... How our response is when we recognize Jesus in this. When we're going through these heavy situations, these big problems. How do we respond? Would you go with me in prayer? Father God, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. I thank you for what you're doing. How you're doing it, God. You are perfect. I pray right now that as we dive into this text, God, that you would move like only you can move, God. Hide me behind your cross. God, use me as just a scalpel to plug away, scrape away the different things, not just in me, but to help with others. God, I am your mouthpiece, God, so I pray that you speak to your people through me. I thank you that it had to go through me first, that it, it, I had to feel this first, God. Now I want everyone else to feel, God, that this doesn't always feel, God, but you're working in us in our problems and we need your help. So God, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirits. God, so that this becomes a practice, that we begin to move in this. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open up to Mark chapter 6? Mark chapter 6, we'll be starting at verse 32. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 32. And it reads, And they went away in the boat, in the boat to a desolate, everyone say desolate. It doesn't say desert, right? So the desolate place is just saying that there's no towns around, there's no restaurants, there's nothing going on. The goal is to get away. There's something about removing yourself from everything around you to get away, to experience and spend time with God, right? To, to not have the distractions of the phones or any other kind of social media, but just to say, hey, God, I want to rest, relax, rejuvenate, replenish in you. That's the goal. Uh, if you are, if you've been walking with us in this series, the disciples are just coming back from doing their little mission evangelism. God sent them out. Jesus sent them out and said, hey, go. Don't take anything with you. The Lord will provide while you're out there. Go minister to people, evangelize to people. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. I'm giving you authority to preach this word. So they're walking. They're experiencing miracles. They're doing miracles through the power of the Holy Ghost. All right, right, through, through God, God they've, they've experienced, experienced all these things. things. So it's like, all right, time, time to take a break. break. Time, time to rejuvenate. So they go, go to this desolate place by themselves. themselves. Well, that, that was the goal. goal. Now, now many, many saw them going, going and recognized them. Everyone say recognize. That lets you know you listen. They recognized them, and they ran their own foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So here they are. The goal is to relax. The goal is to rest. 
Now all these people see him, they recognize him. Remember, they was out there doing ministry. Everybody see him. They was the ones doing the miracles. Like, yo, that's Jesus and his boys. Let's go get him. So you got these few people, they recognize him. And this could have been, they're going across the, this sea. And they could have been anywhere from five miles to 20 miles. But along the way, they're running to get out in front of them. Their response when they recognized Jesus was to run to be in his presence. If you dive deeper and you look at some of the other Gospels, the, the reason that they're going is because they're, they, they have physical needs that they need to be met. They want to be healed. And they have people that are sick among them. So it's like, hey, I got to get out there because I heard about him. I heard about them. They're healing people. They save people. Like, I need to get out there in front of them. So they run. How, what else happened? Well, more than likely, while they're running, people see them running. So now they have to talk about it. Hey, why are you running? Oh, Jesus and his boys, they about to be over there. Oh, I'm coming too. So they're talking about it. They're running with it. And I don't know about you all. Most of the times when you're running, you, you see someone running, you don't always go in the direction that they're going because you don't know where they're going. But here they are running to be in the presence of Jesus the Christ. And so they run and get out ahead of them. So when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So this word compassion, it simply means that he had sympathy for them. He felt for them. That he saw them where they were at because in order to have compassion, you had to see something. He recognized that they were in need of a savior. And he describes them as sheep needing a shepherd. And I don't know if anyone is familiar with sheep, but sheep are known for being dumb. Some of y'all know. Defenseless, directionless. They can't protect themselves. Sheep. Sheep are these creatures that will literally run into a jagged rock just over and over until they die. Do your research on sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. And so he's looking out as he pulls up and sees this great amount of people. Later it tells us it's 5,000 men that were counted. So it could be anywhere from 5,000 to 15, 20,000, assuming they didn't count the women and the children. So he sees all these people and he's looking across. Mind you, what the purpose for this trip was to do what? Rest, rejuvenate, relax, spend some time with God. Now it's time for more work, more ministry. That's what I love about Jesus is that he sees us and he wants to help. He has compassion on us right where we're at. And so he sees them and he goes out and has compassion and it says that he begins to teach them many things. And so while they were coming as thrill seekers, they were coming to be healed and he understood that. He said, no, I know that you have a physical need, but now I'm about to feed you this spiritual stuff that you need. While it's time to eat, it's time to eat on this word. And so he takes them out and he begins to speak to them. Look at verse 35. It says, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away and go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves to buy themselves 
something to eat. So I'm going to paint this picture, if this makes sense. So here Jesus says he's been preaching to them probably for a few hours. I don't know about you, but I grew up in churches where preachers preach for a few hours. Ain't nothing fun about that. And when in the middle of one of his sermons, in the middle of this sermon, when he's teaching them, the disciples come up and they say, yo, Jesus, in the middle. I couldn't imagine. Mark, if you came up here while I was preaching, that's so disrespectful. I'd probably go, hey, you better recognize, you know. But imagine someone coming up in the middle of the sermon, yo, it's late. And a good worker presents to the lady, yo, it's late. These people are hungry. Then they, they command Jesus, send, send them away. away. Send them away. So, so they, they can get themselves something to eat. And so, and so is, is there a problem? problem? Yes. It's, it's a, a big, big problem. problem. There's a, a big, big natural problem. The people are hungry. Good workers, they sense it and they say, hey, we got a solution. Because any good worker brings a solution. The solution to the need that these people have is to send the needy away. That's the solution. And how often are we faced with a problem? And our solution for the problem is to run away from the problem, to push the problem away, to push it off, to say, you know what? This is too big. Let me go around this. Let me send others out. Let me do whatever I need to do not to face this natural problem. And what I thought was even more cool about this is that they present this problem. They almost, they're trying to command Jesus to tell them what to do, but they present this problem to the solution with the solution. So here they are. The solution is right in front of them. It's Jesus. And so they present a problem to the solution with their own solution. So here there is this natural problem that they present to a supernatural being in Jesus with this natural solution. And so, I don't know if y'all can get the slides in the back, Saul, but it's not working up here. So my first point uh, the disciples recognize that the people's the disciples recognize the people's physical need, physical, physical problems. He recognized it. They recognized it. They saw it, but that was all they saw. That was all they saw was the physical. And how often are we faced with these physical problems of our lives? And our response is to respond in faith in the feeble things. We don't respond in faith in God. We respond in faith in self or in what we can do in our own strength. We don't respond in the miracles, because mind you, they just came back from doing miracles where God had called them to serve and help, to cast out demons. They've experienced the power. They've literally experienced the power of God, not, not just from and through Jesus, but firsthand. They were doing it. And here's the trial comes before them. Their first response is, send them away. So this is how Jesus responds. But he answers them, you give them something to eat. You do it. I couldn't imagine. One, I, and I don't know about you, I tell myself all the time. I read this through my personality and my character when I'm reading the word. I couldn't be Jesus. First off, the people that I'm discipling try to tell me what to do. That's, I'm telling you, that's like my son. I've, I've heard my wife tell my son, Joseph, or J4, he's named after me, Joseph, go give me some baby wipes. He may be watching something on YouTube or playing his game or something. And then he'll look at me, Dad, can you give mom the baby wipes? 
I give him that look like, that's all I do. I look at him. Oh, I get it, I get it, daddy, I get it. Right, but this idea of someone telling me what to do, my eight-year-old son trying to tell me what to do. Here it is, and Jesus comes back with him. He says, all right, I put the ball in your court. Let's see how you do. And he says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So their response to Jesus telling them what to do, it's not in the budget. It's not in the budget, Jesus, what are we supposed to do? So 200 denarii, just so you know, that's about eight months worth of work right there. First off, I mean, I mean, their response is a good response when you think about it. You got 5,000, 10,000, 15, you got all these people. You got a lot of people. You want us to feed them all? Jesus, the reasonable thing to do, the natural thing to do, would be to send them away. And then your boss, who one, you're trying to tell what to do, but this is God you're talking about, who's been from, at this point, he's healed many sick. Man with the hand, woman with the issue of blood. They've experienced this, they've seen this. Jairus' daughter brought her back. You know, he, he calmed the sea, so they've experienced the natural, or they, they, they've experienced Jesus, the supernatural, have control of the laws of nature. So what's natural for us, or what's supernatural for him, is just natural for him, but still trying to wrap their head, heads around like, this is what he does. So he presents them with this opportunity, and their response is not in the budget. Like, I don't know if we can do that. I'm like, is it even worth just one day? Let's just send the needy away. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. This is beautiful right here. Oftentimes, we believe that we don't have enough. If I just had a little bit more. God, I don't make a lot of money. If I had a little more, I can start paying time. Help out the church. God, I got to work so much. If I had a better job, I could serve more. God, you gave me this woman. If you just worked it out, if you did some things, whatever, I, if I just had fill in the blank. We say it. We've said it. If I just had a little more of whatever it may be. And Jesus, in this moment, says, all I need is what you have. I didn't ask you to bring me, I didn't ask you for the solution, I asked you what you have. Because it's in those moments where we realize that what we have may not be enough for what he wants us to do, but he's enough to do what he wants us to do. And so while there should be a gap between what I can do and what he's called me to, there should be a gap. There should be a spacing. And saying, hey, God, my marriage is on the rocks. Oh, that's okay. I can fix that. Stop trying to do it in your own strength. Hey, God, this job that you gave me, I'm not liking it. He said, that's okay. I need you to understand that what you have is what you need right now in this season. And watch me do a work. So what they had was more, what they had was more than enough for Jesus to do what Jesus needed to do. And so then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the, the green, green grass. grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, said a blessing and broke the loaves 
and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. So here it is. What they had was all he needed. Right where you're at. What you have is all that you needed. And he didn't, necessarily, he didn't bless the food. He looked up and blessed God. There's a thanking of God for provision. Like, God, this is what I have. Do what you do. God, thank you for providing for all these people. God, we thank you for provision. God, we thank you that you sent us here in this place and you will provide. He thanked God. He blessed God. He gave glory to God for his providential hand for covering them through that. And they all ate and were satisfied. That means they got full. That means they got all they wanted. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So I'm pause right here just for a second to tell you that oftentimes I've seen and I've experienced because I've been in church pretty much all my life. And, and when you talk about something, like, how was church? Uh, it was all right. I didn't get much today. And what reading through this, one of the things that God revealed to me is that you do not get full, not just on a Sunday, but when you're experiencing God, if you do not get full, it's not because he didn't provide. It's not because he didn't set it before you. It's not because there wasn't something to eat. It's because you chose not to partake. Because, again, we're, we're talking about the uncreated. We're talking about the God of the universe. The God that holds the, the world in the palm of his hands. That spoke things into a, a, a creation. This is the God we're talking about. And so if you come in the presence of this supernatural God, and you're saying to yourself that you did not experience anything. You're saying to yourself that you didn't recognize who you were talking to or what was happening. It's not because he did not provide. It's because we did not partake. And so here the disciples are. Everyone is full so much so that they had more than what they started with. There was more than enough. God doesn't just want, God wants you to bring what you have right where you have it. Amen? Amen? All right, look at verse 38. I'm sorry, 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And so he sends his disciples out and say, hey, yo. I don't, again, I read this to my voice and my character, so I'm like, yo, y'all get on my nerves, y'all get out of here, y'all go over there. Right, he sends the crowd of people away, tells them to go do their thing. Sends them out, they've been full, they've been literally satisfied, they've gotten the word, they got some food, belly's full, heart, spirits, that's full. Now we're going on to the next part. And what does he do? It's time to rest. Remember what we came to the desolate place for, to spend time with God. And so when we're tired, it shouldn't be, hey, Netflix and chill. It shouldn't be, all right, I'm going to just go to sleep. I get, we get tired. What does Jesus do to replenish? He says, and after he had taken leave of them. He went, he went up, up to the, the mountain, mountain to pray. pray. He spent time, time with God. God. Man, I, I had, had a hard, hard day. day. I just I need to relax. Relax in God. God. Talk, Talk to God. God. Pursue God. God. Allow, Allow him, him to do the feeling. Because what can happen is when we relax and partake of everything else, pursue everything else, we become filled with everything else. We respond like everything else. 
We do what everyone else and everything else says to do. We begin being cultivated by everything else than what we're supposed to be resting in, relaxing in. We respond like everyone else. And so if I recognize who Christ is, if I recognize what God is doing, then when I go take leave and I go pray, I spend time with God and I begin to get filled back up with him. And so all the natural things of this world begin to not have those same effects. Right? So when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making, they being the disciples, making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch, or about three, four o'clock in the morning, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them. And so here we have Jesus is spending time with God. And so it's that moment of understanding that Jesus would never leave you or forsake you, that he sees your physical need right where you are. He sees it. And even when you read through this, Jesus sent them out there. And for some of us, it may feel like, God, I'm in your will because you told me to go here, but why is all this happening like this? Why is this so hard? Like, God, you sent me here. And what can happen is we get caught up in the storm so much so that we're just trying to, I'm not going anywhere, but hey, I'm moving my arms. Right, I know, I, 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 well, that's, this is why he calls us the sheep, because we're willing to keep hitting our heads against that wall. Right, we keep doing it. This ain't working, but I'm going to keep doing it because something has to happen eventually. We keep doing it. God, my marriage is on the rocks and I can't figure this out, but I'm not going to ask for help. I'm going to just keep hitting this wall, keep going to sleep while she's sleeping on one side of the bed and I'm sleeping on the other side of the bed. God, this job I don't like. I'm going to just keep working it. I'm not going to ask you what my purpose is for doing it. I'm not going to ask why you put me here and we just keep hitting ourselves, head up against the wall. Keep repeating these same motions over and over and over. And so here Jesus is. He literally comes out walking on water. That which is disturbing me is under his feet. And he's just walking on it. He walks by. So understanding this is Jesus we're talking about. And so he controls everything that's natural. He created it. So he's not limited to the laws of nature like we are. What do the disciples do? What happens when they recognize him? Ah, but they didn't. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost. So mind you, look at how the story is taking place. So people see Jesus from a distance, and they recognize him. They recognize him. So much so that they chase after him to get out in front of him. The very people that are walking with him, that see him daily, wake up with him, laugh with him, play with him, joke with him, spend time with him, do life with him, when surrounded by a storm, can't even recognize him. And how much of this is our story where the problem gets so big that I can't see who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives? I can't recognize that, oh, you, call, oh, you sent me here. Oh, I was supposed to be going through this. Oh, I failed this test, didn't I, Jesus? Oh, I messed this up. And so they think he's a ghost and they cry out and for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Right where you're at, in the middle of your storm, right with, with what you're going through, Jesus said, I'm here. 
I've been here, I saw you up there struggling, trying to push your, your way through this. Oftentimes, it's one of those where God just says, look, I'm here. I've been here. Am I trying to grow you? Am I trying to stretch you? Yeah, of course. Do I want more for you? Yeah, I do. Am I right here with you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, he is. And he got into the boat with him, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. They did not understand about the load, but their hearts were hardened. So here they are. Jesus recognized the disciples' spiritual problem, right? They were still stuck on the, the loaves. Like, yo, that was crazy. Did you see what he did with that food? With that little boy's lunch, he just fed everybody. They were still stuck on that. They couldn't see this. They couldn't see the stretching that he was doing. So I'll, so we have three kids, and we take them to the swimming pool almost every day. One, because the sun is undefeated. <laughs> See, if, you, if you're a parent, you understand. Because we our kids to get tired. Our kids don't, they have too much energy, and so I know if we put them out in the heat and the sun is swimming, that combination right there gets them tired. Fatigue, right? They don't want to talk, they want to play, they don't want to do nothing but go to sleep. So I need the sun. So we take our kids to the swimming pool all the time. Often. And so our daughter seems, I feel like she learned, she learned how to swim, then she forgot. And so what she does, she jumps in the She said, Daddy, look. She'll jump in the water. And that's all she does. She just jumps in the water. And then she'll get out. Daddy, look. She jumps in the water again, didn't do anything different. Jumps out. Does it over and over and over. And sometimes she'll swim next to the side of the railing and hold on to the side while she's swimming. And she's he's calling me, Daddy, look. Daddy, look. She's doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. She wants Daddy to see. So as a father, I get in the water because I want her to be comfortable in the water. I know there's fear, that aspect of fear. When you're out there in the water, you are by yourself, you're alone, you feel like you can't do certain things. And for us, there's that, there's that problem. It's like, man, God, you put me out here. You put me around these people. I know you sent me out here. I know you called me to it, but it's hard. And I go out to my daughter, and I'm probably maybe three feet away from her. I say, hey, swim to me. She'll swim to me, and I push her back over. Then I go back pretty far. I say, you can do it. Come on. She said, look, no, Daddy, you're too far. Come closer. Right, this is what happens when God is stretching us and he's putting us through the hard things. He's saying, I want you to come. Like, I'm calling you to come. I wouldn't call you if, one, I didn't believe you could do it, but two, if I'm here. I'm right here. Just swim. And she'll push off, and I, I just have to take a couple steps closer because it makes her feel comfortable. Not because she can't do it. Not because she's not strong enough. Again, remember what we talked about, that you are more than enough. All of you is more than enough for God to use. Not some of y'all. Your, all your baggage you bring, he wants that. He can handle that. And I know it feels strange, like, nah, I don't know. The Jesus you talking about, because you don't know my story. Like, I've done some things. I've been through some things. He's saying, nah, I want you. Right, right where you're at. All of you. Bring, bring that baggage. That's why he died. Right, right for that baggage, that stuff that, that we can't carry on our own. And that's, that's what I do with my daughter. daughter. I say, all right, come, come swim, come close. And eventually, you know, like a great father, I push her back. And then I say, hey. And then she starts swimming to me. I be like, and I start going back. Right? And then she'll come up out of water. Daddy, I did. Of course she did. She looked back, she's like, oh, I did, went far. And she's, we begin to celebrate together. Right where you at, God wants you. 
He wants to stretch you. He wants to grow you. And I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But when you recognize the presence that you're in, you respond differently. Because it's God. You respond differently. And the people see this. It says, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored or anchored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized them. It wasn't the disciples this time. Now it's specific to Jesus. They recognized him. And what do they do? They respond and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. Their response to seeing Jesus was to bring others. The Bible teaches us, it says that God is light. And one of the things I love about light is light exposes, right? And what can happen is you either run away or run to. Later on in this chapter, 1 John, it talks about how I want my joy to be complete. But it can't be complete till you experience the same light, the same joy. And so these people, they see him, they recognize Jesus, and they respond. Not just by running to him, but bringing others to him. To experience that. To experience the healing. And I told you before, it's hard. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to laugh at my pain, to laugh with me. Um, so I, I enjoy working out. Yes, I do. But the pain that I feel oftentimes when I'm working out if you've ever worked out just one and done some extracurricular thing physically that it's not always fun, right? Because you're literally stretching and tearing and can't lift the muscles away sometimes. And so I work out with two people, right? My brother and a guy named Brian. Two people I work out with that I don't have to worry about training or telling them how to do it. I can work out. They're going to push me because they're stronger than me or faster than me or they have more experience in it. They're bigger than me. So it's like I trust them. This past Monday, I worked out with my boy Brian, and we've never worked out on a Monday before. And we did legs. I never skipped leg day. But I never did legs with him. And I'm doing it, I'm like, man, I got to keep up with him. So I'm trying to do the way he's doing, trying to push like he's pushing, and go through like he's going through. And at one point in the middle of the workout, he tells me, hey, he said, hey, Joe, he said, you know you ain't got to do what I do. I'm like, oh, oh, that's even like more encouragement. Like, oh, I got to do this now. So I get out there and, you know, I'm pushing, pushing. And first day I feel all right. You know, I step down the curve when I'm leaving and I almost fall, but it's okay. It was, it was a good leg day. Tuesday come, I'm like, yeah, I'm a little sore, but this is good. Wednesday come, I'm like, ooh. Like, what's going on with my legs? You know, I don't use my wife to tell you. I don't, I don't like to take any kind of medication for pains or anything. I'm like, hey, you got some ibuprofen or something? Like, this don't, this don't feel normal. Thursday come, I said, I'm still sore. I can't sleep. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, well, this is what happens, that pride. And we, want to, we want to be out in front. We want to solve this problem on our own. We want to be who we want to be out in the front. So I tried to do it. Friday came, same thing I said. I said, yo, this is like delayed onset muscle soreness does not happen usually five, six days. Even today, y'all, I still feel it. It's like a week later. I'm like, why do I still feel the pain? But this is what happens in our stretching and our understanding what God is doing in our lives. It doesn't feel comfortable. 
And at times we're like, why would I want to even partner with somebody and tell them about this because this is hard. So we don't. But I would want the, the, the other side to say, man, once I do not feel this pain, once, Once I, I do, do go through the, the workout, workout and, and, and it, I become more comfortable with the stretching and the pushing of the weight, the pulling of it, it's like, man, I want everyone to be strong like this. I want everyone to experience this Jesus that I'm talking about. So why hold this in? Why keep this, this eternal God to myself? Why not run and tell people everywhere about him? Why not talk about him more? I want people to experience this, and yes, sometimes it gets hard. Yes, sometimes I want to give up. But God says, I'm with you in the storm. I control it. I'm with you with what you're going through. I got it. So there's no way we can step into the presence, recognize it. Remember, to recognize means I've experienced, I've spent time with him. I know there's no way that I step into his presence, recognize who Jesus is, and that a change doesn't come in my life. And that does mean there's stretching. But that, that also means that boundaries, boundaries have to happen. There are things I have to let go of that I'm holding on to because I can't hold on to God and also hold on to the world that he's telling me not to be like, not to be cultivated by. I can't allow him to pour into me and then allow this world to pour into me and try to mix that. He's saying there's things about you that need to change, Joseph. I said there's some, imp- there's some impurities about you that I need to bring out. He said, so in order for that to happen, you got to stop trying to hold on to that, stop running to that stuff, and run to me. Find rest in me. And it says, and wherever he came, in villages and cities or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. The people recognized Jesus and had faith he could heal them. The people recognized Jesus and had faith that he could heal them. So at this point, we understand that the problem is too big for me, not for God. At this point, we know that Jesus has sent us out there not to paddle on our own, but he's always been with us, and he's there with us. That there's purpose in where he sends us. There's design. We just have to trust him. It's not always easy. There's stretching. There's growing. There's growing pains. But if I'm okay with satisfying the needs of me, myself and I, and not serving others, not giving God glory, not looking and saying, hey, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Then I become like those disciples who ministry becomes just a job. Where I get tired and I'm like, okay, God, I mean, you've been talking long enough. Come on down. I become that person. And so... I bring back to you the question that I started with. Do you recognize Jesus? Do you recognize Jesus that he's doing something like Do you recognize Jesus? Do you see him working? Do you recognize Jesus? And this idea to recognize, I said it over and over, that means you spent time with him. Like I've seen you before. I've examined you. I've looked upon you. I look up, I've looked upon you. And I know you. And now, what's your response to that? Is it a response of, I'm going to just sit down, I'm going to do my thing, I'm not going to worry about what's going on? Or is it a response of, man, there's work that I need to do? Are we like the disciples who, yeah, okay, God, we did this for a few hours. On Sunday, I did my worship thing. God, I recognize you. I raised my hand when we were singing. 
Cody did his thing up there. Ooh, good worship service. But then Monday comes. And I just do my own Monday thing. Tuesday comes. And I'm okay with not stretching anymore, not reading my word. Wednesday comes. I'm not talking about my... I've gotten full on Sunday. I was satisfied on Sunday. But now I got to wait for next Sunday because, I mean, I, I recognize it, but what, what do I need to do? Why do I have to do more? I did my part already. I did what I needed to do. This is one of the only relationships, our relationship with God where, because everywhere else in parenting, I see my kids every day. My wife, I spend time, I talk to her. When it comes to God, it's like, all right, God, I don't mind you being number four, five, six, or seven. God says, every day I want you. Every day I want to spend time with you. And it's, it's not, not like we have to worry about not being able to worship if somebody's going to kill us or something for loving on them. And, and so, so like every Sunday, we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of God. And what, what can happen is when we take communion, communion we go through the, 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 the moves, the movement of it. Oh, okay. We say, we hear Chris up here, myself. All right, this is the body which is broken to you. And he sets it down. He says, oh, yeah, food for your soul. I mean, this is like food for your body, food for your soul. That's what Jesus is supposed to be. And then we hear him say that. We know what he's going to say. Then he picks up the wine, and he says, uh, glass, grape juice, wood, wine. And he goes through the motions. Ah, oh, this is the blood. And we hear Then he sets it down. Then the words come up on the screen, and it tells you, hey, at this moment, we want you to pray and do all those things. Right? We don't recognize what he did. And so when he took the bread and he broke it, he said, this is my body that has been broken for you. I don't think we understand the gravity of what that means, that it was supposed to be my body that was broken. It was supposed to be my death on the cross because of what I did, my pain, my hurt, that I responded and said, you know what, God, you stay over there, I'm good over here. How when I got exposed, I ran away further into the darkness. He said, this is why I had to break my body. This is why I had to allow myself to be pierced. This is why I had to allow myself to be bitten, beaten to be spit on. He said, that's why. He said, this blood, this new covenant, this covering, you see, you were exposed. And in that exposure, we found out you was not good enough, Joseph. He said, so you need this covering of my blood so that you can stand before my father. That's why that's important. And so every time I break the bread and I dip, dip it into the cup, I'm reminded that I'm not good enough. And that the problem before me was too big. And that I couldn't face it alone. That even, it didn't matter how much I tried to push up that weight, I was not strong enough to do it. But God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what it means. That's why he did it. And so as we prepare our hearts and minds for coming to take communion, 
Please don't allow yourself to just do this out of routine. But be reminded that Jesus did pay it off. And the price was so high that I could not even grab I can't understand what needed to happen. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. There is none like you. God, there is none like you. And so my prayer right now, God, is that we remember the price that was paid for us. God, we don't take it for granted. God, that we're reminded of how good we was not. How messed up we are, God. But that's not how our story is. God, when we choose you, Daily, God, it's a reminder, God, of how good you are, how big you are, God, and so we thank you. We celebrate you, God, we love you, and we praise you for who you are in our lives. God will forever give you all the glory, God will forever give you all the honor, and God will forever give you the praise. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 